morning I would like to preach what I would call a selfish sermon. And it's not just for me, it's, it's on behalf of all the missionaries that you know, for those you don't know, for those, those of this church. In my text, why don't you go to your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians 5 and you'll understand why this is a selfish sermon. In fact, my text is only four words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 25. My selfish sermon. Here it is. Paul is writing. Paul the missionary. And he writes, Brethren, pray for us. Brethren, Pray for us. In 1995, we had come out of one of the most difficult years of our ministry. Brutal. And we came on furlough like missionaries do. We were royally bummed out. In fact, my wife was pretty sure that we weren't not going to go back to the mission field. You know, every time we come back to America, even after all these years, when you get to the customs... In fact, this happened the day before yesterday when I got in. I love it. You, know, you get in, there's a big American flag, and you're welcome to America, and the guy stamps your passport, and then he says, welcome home. Man, I get cold chills every time I hear that. My wife starts crying every time. She's glad to be home, and she said, I am not going back. We went during that furlough one, to one of our churches in Modesto, California. This is one of our supporting churches. Something very amazing happened. It's a very large church, huge pastoral staff. And they said, John, uh, come to the pastor's prayer time at 8 o'clock on this particular day. So I went alone. There were, I think, 16 or 18 pastors there, all in a room. I'd never been to this meeting before. And um, they said, John, can you just share a little bit about your, what's going on? I said, sure. So I shared briefly about what was going on, and I told them that we'd gone through a really difficult time. And um, they said, John, we'd like to pray for you. I said, fine, thanks. So we started to pray. And the entire focus turned on me. And these pastors began to pray, one after another. There was no rush. They just prayed and prayed and prayed. In my mind, I I didn't know how long this went on, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45 minutes. And they kept praying, one after another, just for me and my family. And they began to pray by name for my wife, Meg. I told them that she was hurting. And they began to pray by name for her. 
that God would lift up the burden off of her. And then they, I've got cold chills thinking about this. They began to pray for our children by name, for John William and for Kimberly and for James. And they kept praying one after another, after another, after another. And I began to cry and began to weep. And it was like I could physically feel the burden lift off of me. And they were basically saying as they were praying, John, give us your burden. We want it. Give it to us. And they took the burden that was on me and they took that burden in prayer and then they gave it to Jesus Christ. It was incredible. I've never forgotten that incident. It's never happened since. And they prayed for our church. They prayed for the people in our church and they just prayed and prayed and prayed. Folks, it was an awesome and unforgettable day. Have you ever been prayed over for 30 minutes straight before? I hadn't. Try 45 minutes. Never. It is something to experience. And you know what? I needed to be prayed for that day. I really did. You go, well, that's kind of weird. John, you're a missionary. I mean, do missionaries, I mean, okay, we pray for them, but do they really need to be prayed for? I mean, I thought missionaries had it made. They are giants of the faith that we sent out to win the world for Christ. We are autonomous ministry machines. Push the button and they go. Are we really? No. You know what? We are people just like everybody else. We are sinners saved by the grace of God and have been called to do the impossible task of winning the world for Christ. I mean, frankly, that's crazy. Were it not for the Great Commission. Now, think about the Apostle Paul for a minute. Paul is probably the greatest missionary of all times. In fact, he was. I would call Paul the perfect missionary. Bicultural, bi or trilingual, pretty biblical, (laughs) single and therefore low cost, hyper-motivated, a natural leader, a preacher, an evangelist, a church planter, a man who willingly suffered like, well, incredibly. He was committed, dedicated, mobilized, bold, fearless, a writer, a pastor, an author. I mean, this guy was everything, you know. And yet, that is the man who wrote these four words. Brethren, pray for us. I mean, in that context, they're just kind of amazing words. Paul needed people to pray for him. And what that reveals is however gifted he was, It reveals that he was just a man, just like you and me, a man with great needs. And this man is willing to cry out his need to a very young church. 
and saying, you know, guys, I'm just like everyone else. I really need you to pray for me because it's brutal out there. And so he says, brethren, pray for us. Why? I mean, why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Jesus affirmed to Peter back in Matthew 16, 18, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. You see, Christ is building his church around the world. But he also says that the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. Folks, hell and the church are in a brutal battle and war. Hell hates Jesus Christ. And though we are guaranteed the ultimate victory, we are not spared the battle. In fact, no man can survive the battle of snatching souls from the hand of the enemy without being upheld by an army of intercessors, people who will pray for us. And that is why Paul asks Christians to pray for him. So what I did, I looked up all the instances where Paul asks for prayer. And when you bring it all together, it kind of boils down to four specific prayer requests. So this becomes extremely practical. And so very quickly this evening, I would just like to boil it down to four prayer requests. And I, if you don't mind, I would like for you to maybe just jot these four points down and as you maybe have a favorite missionary, you know, that kind of happens sometimes. You know, you have a prayer card, you have a couple of people that you know personally. Maybe you have a prayer card in your Bible during your quiet time and you pray for them. Maybe you could jot these four prayer requests as a reminder as to how specifically to pray for them. And I think they will be greatly encouraged by it. And if you want to pray for us too, if you don't know us that well, that, we'll accept that very much so. So it's very simple. First of all, he asks his Christian friends to pray for power. Dave mentioned this a little bit on Friday night. I'd just like to re-mention it here. Power. Power. In 2 Thessalonians 3.1, we read this. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. It's interesting. He says, pray that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly. Literally, the word is to rush. As we do our ministry, Paul says, would you pray as we preach the word of God, as we announce the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, just visualize that gospel rushing and going and penetrating and hitting hearts where people melt to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and believe in Christ. In Colossians 4.2, Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well. Here he is asking for prayer again, that God may open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned in order that I may make it clear the way I ought to speak. Now, this is so interesting. He's saying, will you pray 
that God would open up a door for the word that I might speak boldly the gospel. Now, why is that interesting? Because where is he? In jail. He's in jail. And he's saying, would you please pray as I preach the gospel that God would open up a door for the gospel. I mean, this guy was a ministry machine. No matter where you put him, he was preaching the gospel. But he also knows that only God can open up those doors and open up hearts. So he's saying, look, I'll do my part. I'll be the messenger. But will you just pray that that word would go and be effective? That's your part, folks. Pray for this. Pray for the effectiveness of the word of God as missionaries proclaim it in the context that they are in. Again in Ephesians 6, verse 18. Right after the whole armor passage, he says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petitions for all the saints. And then he says in verse 19, And pray on my behalf. Here again, humble Paul again. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. I think that's funny. You know, Paul was bold, but he's saying, Would you please... Pray that I would be bolder. You know, I looked up the word mouth in the dictionary. Because he says, you know, here. That I would open up my mouth. Here's what it says. Mouth. An external opening in the head through which most animals and all humans admit food and emit communicative sounds. So actually, you are to pray that missionaries would emit communicative sounds of the gospel with their mouth. I think that's funny. (laughs) But it's so important. You see what Paul is saying here? You know, sharing the gospel is not even easy for me. This is the Apostle Paul. He's saying it's not easy. It's never easy. No, sharing the gospel is not easy. It's never easy. You know, it's a lot easier to stay quiet and say nothing than to confront sinners with this sinfulness and the truth of the gospel. I mean, in France, you know, most people don't believe in anything except themselves. And you try and bring Jesus Christ to them, and they think you're, you're, you're a kook. They think you're like a religious nut. Well, we are, basically, you know. But it's, it's hard. It gets really hard after a while. And he's saying, will you please pray that no matter what, I would still be bold. Jesus said we would be hated. He said we would be insulted. He said we would be persecuted for proclaiming the message. I mean, John the Baptist was one of my heroes. Why? Why did he get decapitated? Why was John the Baptist killed? Because he dared confront Herod with his sin of adultery. He said, Herod, you are an adulterer. You need to repent. Herod didn't like it, chopped his head off. Well, it's a lot easier to shut your mouth than to say that to people. Granted, you've got to be diplomatic and you know, try and be kind. But, I mean, sin is sin. You've got to call sin what it is. And you've got eventually to tell people, you know what? Your sin is an offense to a holy God. Well, people don't like to hear that. And when you get bashed long enough, you begin to think, well, you know, maybe I, I'll stop saying it. No, please pray that we would never stop saying it. Ever. You know, missionaries can find a thousand things to do these days. They can find excuses, and I'm putting myself in the same boat. We can find excuses for not going out and sharing the gospel with sinners. 
What? Oh, we, there's a lot of things to do. We need to study. We need to do church work, administration. We need to disciple Christians. We need to socialize. We need to go to prayer meetings, counsel people, marry people, bury people, work on church budgets, take time to live, deal with legal matters, all sorts of very worthy things to do. We've got to do them. But we also must emit gospel communicative sounds with our mouth. You know, sometimes God gives you opportunities. A few years back, well, you know when the Iraq war broke out, that was kind of an awkward situation because uh, there were a lot of people in our church that were pro-Americans. They thought, yeah, go for it, America. You're going to win this war. And then there was the whole French group. (laughs) And they were like totally anti the war. But then I'm pastoring in Switzerland, and they're neutral. So in the church, I had the pro-Americans, the anti-Americans, and the neutrals. And I'm going, okay, what do I do with this, you know? So I decided I was going to preach on the subject. So I preached on the subject of war. I did a whole series on war. What does the Bible say about war? Well, some guy said, John, let's just turn this into a book. So they made a little French book out of it. And then a couple months later, this guy, I get this phone call from a guy in Toulon, France, of a military base there. He says, look, I just read your book. You've got to come down and preach to the military on the subject of war. I'm going, I'm dead. (laughs) I mean, this is like really ironic. I'm an American. I'm going to tell them, the French, what the Bible says about war. That's like suicide. But I thought to myself, people are praying for me, and they're praying that God would give me opportunities. So I said, I'm coming. So I went down. And they had a big gathering, all these soldiers and people and French people everywhere. And I preached on the subject of war. And I think a war broke out in that room, I'll tell you. <laughs> because the pacifists got out and they were really against it. And then the, the pro-militaries were going, yeah, that's a great subject. And they began to argue and I was watching these people argue. It was like amazing, you know. But I preached the gospel. And I think to myself, you know, we are all looking for opportunities like that. Pray for your missionaries. Pray that God would just drop amazing opportunities and that they would not wimp out to go share the gospel. Number one, power. Pray for power. Number two, number two, pray for our protection. Pray for our protection. 2 Thessalonians 3 Verse 1, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you, and that we may be delivered from perverse and evil men, for not all have the faith. That's right. Paul is a realist. He understands that ultimately what we see in the world is not all that there is. In fact, there is a celestial battle going on in the heavens between Jesus Christ and Satan, as I already mentioned, and the world is under Satan's control. He is the God of this world. And in the midst of this battle, we have been called to snatch people away from his powerful grip by using, as I already mentioned, our mouths to communicate the gospel. Folks, that is suicide. When you think about it, it's like walking into a lion's cage.
I mean, it says it in Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Folks, I mean, we are walking in the lion's cage, and the lion is Satan himself. He hates us, and he hates what we're doing for him. And he will do everything in his power to make us fail. And you know what? Particularly appetizing to Satan are pastors and missionaries. He loves to devour them. You know why? Because the downfall of one pastor or one missionary can very easily mean the downfall of an entire ministry. He's not stupid. He knows what he's doing. And folks... He uses evil men to attack us. About three or four years ago, I went through the most brutal times of my ministry. It was different from the one I came back and people prayed over. This was another one. And I'd been pastoring a church in Geneva for 11 years and a group of people turned against me. I mean, it was brutal. I was, I was called things that it would not even be appropriate to tell you this evening. In fact, I, I got so stressed out. Seriously. I mean, missionaries can really be stressed. I was stressed. In fact, I was so stressed, I began to have these stomach cramps. I mean, violent stomach cramps. One night, I, I just had to be hospitalized. And, you know, all these doctors came, and they were giving me all these drugs and trying to figure it out. They did every test, possible test known to mankind to try and figure out what was wrong with me. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, I was in such pain. I was in this hospital. I was on my knees in the bathroom in agony, throwing up. And I remember thinking to myself, huh, this is not the way I imagined missions was going to be. (laughs) You know, I mean, France, Switzerland, watches, the Champs-Élysées, fashion, makeup, you know, beautiful people everywhere. I mean, this is the image people have of France and Switzerland. And here I am, thrown up over stress. I'm thinking, did, did, did something go wrong? No. This is normal. That is, that is normal. I mean, it's nothing compared to Paul's trials. You know, missionaries can get really battered. They deal with discouragement, difficult circumstances, sickness, tragedy, accidents, death of spouses and children, lack of fruit, depression, conflict with teammates, temptations with sin, persecution, family problems, problems with children, problems with schooling. You know, Satan can use so many things to make us become ineffective. And so there's evil people attacking us. And then there's just trials of life attacking us. It gets hard. That's why we need to be prayed for. Protection. Protection. So, pray for power. To pray for our protection. Number three. This is a really good one. Pray for our purity. Now, we're going to Hebrews. You know, I'm not 100% sure whether Paul or someone else wrote Hebrews, but for our sermon, let's just say Paul wrote it because it works really well, okay? 
So Hebrews 13, verse 18. Listen to this. The author, maybe Paul, wrote, pray for us. Pray for us. For we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. He's saying pray for us because we want to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. Wow, I love this. The author is being so honest and transparent. You know what he's saying? He's saying life is tough out here. Temptations are great. I am weak. I, and I mean this, I could fall into gross sin at any time. Any missionary can. You can too. Brethren, pray to God that my conscience would never get so accustomed to sin that it would stop reacting violently when sin knocks at my door. Pray that my conscience would be so active that as soon as sin comes near me, whammo, it's rejected, it's rejected, it's rejected, it's rejected. That when sin approaches, I would run the other way. Pray that we would remain holy and pure in the midst of a sinful and perverse generation. You know, just a few days ago, true, I mean, I had a meeting with a guy. He'd been a missionary sent out from Switzerland to South America. 14 great years of ministry. He's back. Discouraged. And he told me that he's seeing another woman right now. He's married with three great kids. I was in shock. There's nothing between them. They spent a lot of time together. He says it's totally okay. And he had, he had reasoned it all in his mind. It, it's like, it was like an amazing story. He had reasoned this whole thing in his mind, and he was telling me, John, it's perfectly okay. I said, you are this far from absolute disaster. And I went to my wife, and I said, man, you know, we really need prayer. I mean, this can happen to anybody. I'm just scared telling you that. It's it's scary. It is really scary sometimes. And you know what? I I think it's maybe sometimes worse for missionaries only because, you know, missionaries that that are overseas, they're, they're alone often. They're away from home. They're in a different culture, different language. Sometimes they have a lot less accountability. They can dry up spiritually. They can be more susceptible to sin. They live like we do in very pagan cultures. I mean, if I describe the stuff we see, I mean, nudity is a no big deal over there. I mean, it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. Billboards, TV, beaches, parks. I mean, clothing's optional there. It's just like amazing. And so over the years, you just see it. You see it all the time. Your kids see it. So you go, well, maybe we should leave. Well, then how are you going to reach them? Right? No, the key is you. Pray for us. 
Pray that we would be there but not affected by it. That's the key. Now I tell people France has four gods. Number one, sex. Number two, food. Number three, vacations. Number four, pride. I don't know what the American gods are, but they're probably pretty similar. And we come along with Jesus Christ. Wow. So how do we not get affected by this? By the sex and all the filth. The food's nice. (laughs) Vacation's good too, you know. You know what I mean? It's scary. And so you need to pray for us. Pray that our consciences would always be up and working. And you know what it boils down to? Here it is, folks. Missionaries need to be in the Word of God every day. I mean, that's a weird thing to say. You just kind of assume it. No. It's an effort. It's work like everybody else. Every day, I have a quiet time. I try and read my Bible one time every year. And I got to force myself out of bed like everybody else. And I got to go read those chapters, make notes, pray. It's a choice every day. And when I miss a day, I double up the next day. Just like you. We're no different. Please pray for power, for our protection, and for our purity. And here's the last one. This really surprised me. This is short. But it really surprised me when I found it. Go with me to Romans 15. Listen listen to this one. This is Paul writing. Here it is. The point is pray for pauses. Pauses. Look at this. Romans 15, 30. Paul writes, Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. So again, he's saying, please pray for me that I may be delivered from those who are disobedient in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. I thought, wait a minute, that's interesting. This is the Apostle Paul saying, you know what? I am tired of the battles, of the conflicts I need a break. Paul needed a vacation. Is that different or what? That is really different. You don't kind of assume that Paul needed a break. But here he's saying, I need to come and be in your company so that I might find refreshing rest. And that will give me great joy. You see, Paul is tired When you expend yourself boldly reaching the loss, being incessantly battered by the enemy, when you're trying to live a holy and pure life, you get tired. You get really tired. And that is expounded and multiplied in foreign cultures. And you get exhausted. And here we see a glimpse in the human heart of Paul. And he's saying, man, I cannot wait to go home and just rest. Isn't that cool? This is what furlough is all about. This is why missionaries come home. Missionaries need to come home. And they need to be rest. They need to find rest. And this is where you come in again. Pray that they would really be able to rest. Now, I know missionaries, they just don't stop. Missionaries, 
don't know many times how to take time off and enjoy time with their families. You see, they're workaholics, not all, but many. There's pressure on missionaries, especially American missionaries, to produce. There's got to be a return on the dollar, you know? There's got to be results. It's in a result-oriented society. And missionaries who are supported financially by churches and individuals sometimes feel a pressure to produce, and they keep going and going and going and going. And I know missionaries who take no days off, no vacations. They just don't stop, and one day, boom, they crack. No, we need balance. We really do need balance. We need to work hard and work really hard when we're working, but we need, like everyone else, to take time off. Pray that we would do that. Isn't that a strange prayer request? Pray that we would stop sometimes. So what I did years ago, I started the envelope trick. You know about this? I decided, you know, when I want to go and like take my wife away or take my family, it's so expensive. And this is another issue with missionaries. So I, everything's always so expensive so they don't do it. So I thought, okay, the way we're going to do this, got a little envelope, literally. It's in my office up on the shelf. You know, sometimes when you come home and you, got, you pull out the money of your pocket and you've got a few bills, there's, you know, a five or a one or a ten. Well, we, of course, hold very close budgets. But sometimes there's like a, a, you could take a $5 bill or a $10 bill and just put it away and you probably wouldn't really notice it. So I do that every so often. You know, when there's an especially big wad, like right after pay time, like I'll take a 20 or I'll take a 10 and I'll stick it in a little envelope. And I'll do this on a regular basis. Then after about six months, I'll go, huh, I wonder how much is in that envelope. Surprise. I can kidnap my wife, take her away, nice hotel, and get some rest. I started this years ago. We've upped it to two times a year. It is so much fun. You know what? I realize I feel no guilt. I just have a blast doing that, and I look forward to it. Because, like Paul, I need rest. Will you pray for your missionaries? That they would know how to stop, and that they would know how to rest. So there you have it, folks. Four very simple prayer requests right from the Word of God. Number one, pray for power, that we would be powerful in proclaiming the gospel. Number two, pray for our protection. Pray for our protection. Number three, pray for our purity, that we would live holy lives. And then fourthly, pray that we would know how to push the pause button and that we will know how to take a break and be refreshed and be redeployed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for all the missionaries that I've met this week. And Lord, I, I know we can relate to one another, and I just really pray for these folks, Lord, that they would be burdened to pray for the missionaries. And God, I pray that that would uplift them and encourage them and fill them up and, and redeploy them. And God, I pray that these four simple points would really help guide the prayers of these people, Lord, and that they would have much joy and pleasure in praying for the missionaries. And Lord, that would deepen the relationship. Lord, thank you for what you're doing around the world. Please, Lord, help us be faithful until your return. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.